I just want you guys to know that I'm literally recording this at six in the morning. Hype. I am so excited for this one. If you guys are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I would definitely recommend checking this one out on YouTube because there's a lot of visuals going on. It's a really fun one. I spent a lot of time making some cute little easy ways to remember things and some visuals to help you kind of recall some of this information. But today we're going to be talking about our history of ABA. So Skinner, Watson, how experimental analysis behavior came about, things like that. And then we're also going to hit on the different disciplines and how to distinguish them, which is going to be A3 and A4. Our next podcast is going to be A5, which is those seven dimensions of ABA. So for this one, we're talking history and the different disciplines. So I just want to say welcome. Thank you for joining us for another podcast, guys. This is your channel, Your ABA Help. I'm here to help you with all of your questions, concerns, your ABA needs. So with that being said, I kind of alluded to last podcast to something I was working on. And I've been working on developing a mock. I have a 30-question mini-mock. I've been working on a fluency video. So I'm teaching you guys how to use flashcards to study and memorize and truly making sure you know them. I'm developing that and all the materials for that. I have cute little graphic things that you can use to kind of post your journey on social media and share with family and friends that, you know, you're studying for something huge and just little inspirational things are super cute. So if you want to check out Patreon in the description box, it'll be super helpful for me to get, you know, more materials, all that fun stuff. So I'll make some better videos for you guys. I'm so excited. I'm really looking forward to making this whole series. With that being said, let's get into it. For this video, I'm going to give you guys the timeline here. I'm going to give you terms that you need to know, some little ways that I thought was helpful, some visuals if you're watching on YouTube. We're going to go through and talk about the history. Then we're going to talk about the different fields of behaviorism and ABA and how those are kind of seen today and some examples of those. Okay, guys. So when I was reading into Watson, I was shook. This man, he's so ridiculous. So Watson, okay. So for the history of ABA, just know you don't have to memorize all these details. You just need to know their impact on the field and how you know Watson led us to the ABA that we have today, how Skinner led us to it and like their contributions to the field. But I just wanted to share this fun stuff because my goodness, I love when we have these idols and they go just a little deeper and you're like, okay, that's interesting. We've got John Brodus Watson, born in 1878. He was born in South Carolina. His research was published in the 1920s when we started to really recognize his work and started to connect those dots and started to develop this field of behaviorism, okay? While he was doing that, he was working on the Little Albert experiment and Kaplunk. The purpose of the Little Albert experiment was to condition using classical conditioning. So basically, he would use the power of adversity and a really loud noise, scare baby, and then also pair it with a white rat mask, which 
Lovely. And then he generalized this fear, great, to a rabbit dog who would wear like a furry coat. Uh, the videos are out there. Check them out if you're curious. If you haven't heard of this, definitely check it out. It's one that really impacted the field and thank God for code of ethics today. So Watson was busy making research, developing the foundation of behaviorism, you know, with Pavlov and that classic conditioning. While he was working in the lab scaring babies, he also had a wife and two children at home. It was later understood that when these children grew up, they actually had psychological issues from how Watson raised them, which is so sad. I can only imagine what it would be like to have somebody who's strict traditional behaviorism values are praising you. So I thought that was interesting. But while he was doing all of that, he also found time to have an affair and cheat on his wife, which is interesting. And it was with one of his colleagues in the research lab. Good stuff, right? His contributions to the field are definitely classical conditioning, developing the idea of behaviorism, the SS psychology or SR. So this is just talking about reflex. So we are born with reflexes and instincts, and this is what Watson set out to prove. The big thing about Watson is he set the foundation. He wasn't able to connect the dots to consequence, so he didn't get that SRS. But he did develop that we can pair and that we do have reflexes and that we have a learning history through our environment. All that fun stuff we're going to devote to Watson. Some other key terms you're going to want to know about Watson. So he popularized behaviorism. He did the little Albert experiment in the 1920s. He founded SSSR psychology, behaviorism, basics of reflexes, this classical conditioning, all that fun stuff. The word that we're going to associate with him. So we've got two words, guys. We've got elicit and evoke. Elicit is for Watson. And we've got reflex. Also for Watson, a little callback to our last podcast and a little quiz here for you guys. Phylogeny, if you remember that. It's also going to be associated with Watson because Watson was working on understanding reflexes and respondent behavior. Phylogeny is how we learn things over time, right, guys? You you got this. You remembered it. A little way to help you kind of memorize those is the acronym FRIES, like French fries, F-R-I-E-S. So for the F, it's going to be first Watson. R is reflex slash respondent. That's another um, term you're going to associate with Watson is respondent learning or respondent conditioning. I for involuntary. So reflexes are involuntary, these involuntary reactions. Watson had a big part in proving that they exist and they, from the impact on the environment. E is illicit and S is for SR conditioning or SR psychology. Cool. All right. And then Years later, Mr. Skinner came along, and but he is our king of ABA, guys. He is the one that is credited for finding or founding, developing the foundation of ABA. So we are going to call him King Skinner. Fun little fact, Skinner's full name is Burris Frederick Skinner. So BF Skinner. Skinner was born in 1904 in Pennsylvania. 
So Mr. Skinner was quite the man. He got his PhD at Harvard and he was a professor at Harvard for a long time. One of his parents was a lawyer and he had you know, his friends and he would work in the summer selling berries, according to my research, which is just so cute. But they would develop and research different like tools or devices to get the berries off the tree quicker. So Mr. Skinner's always had a foundation in science and research and experimenting. So as he grew up, he eventually went to Harvard, got his PhD at Harvard. He was a professor at Harvard for many years, which go Skinner, love that for you. Sadly, Skinner did lose his brother Edward at 16 to a cerebral hemorrhage, which I'm sure had a major impact on him. And then paired with that, his family and his grandmother was incredibly religious and really tried to use fear for Skinner. So he ended up becoming an atheist and he was very open about this throughout his career. So the term we're going to associate with King Skinner. So he is a founder of Experimental Analysis of Behavior, or EAB, that we'll refer to it as. He discovered SRS conditioning or SRS learning, however you want to look at it. This is our three-term contingency. This is ABC, you know, antecedent behavior consequence. He was the first to kind of discover that other side of the behavior. So we know that just the antecedent and just the behavior. It wasn't enough to explain how we learn, why we learn, all that fun stuff. So just the antecedent and just the behavior wasn't enough to teach us why we learn and how we learn. Skinner was the first to find that next step, that consequence is what reinforces or punishes our behavior over time. We credit that to Skinner, the operant learning. Phylogeny is for Watson. So then we have ontogeny is going to go with Skinner. So ontogeny is, fill in the blank for me guys, I know you got this. Ontogeny is how the environment changes one individual over their lifetime. So this is not generations. Ontogeny is their lifetime. So this is going to be about learning. So learning how to clap your hands, learning how to tie your shoe, all that fun stuff. That's not survival tactics, okay? So we want to associate the word evoke with Skinner. So when I clap my hands, I evoke a response for the class to stand up. So they learn that over time. Evoke is operant conditioning. And then just think about all the rats, all the pigeons with Mr. Skinner. Thousands of studies where he was practicing and perfecting his theories of experimental analysis of behavior. All that you're going to associate with Skinner. So, of course, I've got a little acronym for you guys. So, with all those thousands of studies, I'm sure he lost lots of sleep. He was up very late. So, our acronym to help you remember everything associated with Skinner is called So Late. S-O-L-A-T-E. So, Skinner stayed up so late. S is S-R-S conditioning. O is operant. L is learned. A is adaption, T is the king, Skinner, E is evoke. Just a little recap for you guys, we started off with Watson, he developed the foundation of behaviorism and then Skinner came along to kind of built off that research and developed experimental analysis of behavior field and this is where we started to use science to understand antecedents and consequences. Skinner developed a huge body of research, published some very famous books. 
to support his research. If you're interested in those, feel free to read them. They're dry as could be. Um, some of your grad programs probably had to read them, and wasn't that a good time? So Skinner's been developing this research that eventually gets called radical behaviorism. So the reason why radical is tacked on there is because his school of thought and his way of thinking about psychology was incredibly out there. A lot of the psychologists at the time thought he was absolutely insane, literally insane. Um, the field was ruled by the mentalistic ideas of like the traditional, the field was ruled by like the traditional psychology that we know today, the mentalistic thoughts, feelings, all that internal stuff. Whereas, what or whereas Skinner was literally like, no, it's all on the outside. Now, important thing to know about Skinner and what kind of developed his radical behaviorism is that he did acknowledge private events. So, there's three things about Skinner's radical behaviorism that you're going to want to know. So for Skinner's radical behaviorism, we've got private events, thoughts, are behaviors. He established that. So private events are behavior. Differences between public and private events is just what we can and can't observe. There's nothing else that's different about them. Just one, there's skin in the way for those private events. That's it. And then private events are impacted by the environment just the same. So make sure you guys learn what radical behaviorism and how it was different from mentalistic theories and psychology at the time. So that is our A3 of our task list, okay? Which A3 of our task list is describe and explain behavior from the perspective of radical behaviorism. So that's going to be understanding the private events. You guys got it. Cool. So I wanted to give you guys a little quote here to kind of give an idea of Skinner and where he was at and how onto it he thought he was and he was onto quite a bit but he definitely took it to the next step there was a book that Skinner wrote called Walden 2 that was based on a utopian society and how perfectly it could be ran um how perfectly it could be ran through opera conditioning and all that fun stuff so so needless to say he was excited so a little quote that I'm going to give you guys by Skinner is radical behaviorism represents a dramatic departure from other conceptual systems calling for probably the most drastic change ever proposed in our way of thinking about man. It is almost literally a matter of turning the explanation of behavior inside out. So that's kind of the perspective of radical behaviorism, guys. Like it was huge. It was, you know, breaking all these different thought cycles and really changing the field. And was very controversial. And it still is very controversial. Keep that in mind. Let's go ahead and talk about habituation and adaption. So habituation is change in responsiveness of a behavior in a short period of time. So some examples for this is, you know how when you were a kid and you would go swimming in a lake and it would be freezing or you go swimming early summer and the water is so cold over that short period of time, over like 20 minutes. Your little child self would get comfortable with the water and you'd warm up. That is habituation. A good example is popping a balloon. If you pop a balloon, you're going to have that reflex. You're going to tense up. You're going to flinch. But if I continue to pop a balloon, you are hearing it that short period of time. And you're going to react less and less intense. And eventually you're going to kind of get comfortable with that happening. Another one is smells. You get comfortable with smells. If you have a new baby, you get comfortable with that baby's you know, diaper smell loud noises. 
when you very first walk into a club and the music is really loud or in a bar and there's lots of talking, you're going to get comfortable with that in that short period of time. And then our other term is adaption. So adaption is going to be that long-term adjustment. It's going to be more of adjusting to the environment and those changes. So some good examples here are when you get a puppy, they have to adapt to their new environment and learn how to survive in their new environment, right? When you make a big move to, you know, a bigger city or it's, you know, something that's different than your normal, you have to adapt and you get comfortable over time. Eventually, you're not going to notice those changes, those loud noises or those, you know, different routine, things like that that you've had established. So over time, you've adapted. Habituation is short period of time. Like we're talking, you know, minutes to an hour. Adaption is days, weeks, months long, however long it takes you to adapt to your new environment to survive. So another term you want to note is pragmatism. So this one is kind of the foundation of the psychology behind what we're doing. So we want to take the most practical approach. What is it? Why do we care? So pragmatism, I'm going to do the definition here. It's an approach that assesses the truth of meaning of theories or beliefs in terms of the success of their practical application. So why do we care about it? We use it to judge our effectiveness. We do what the results of the data say is working, leaving out our personal biases and our opinions. So the idea behind this is that we need to do what works in a behaviorism or, you know, this theory or this, you know, idea works. This is what we should do. And pragmatism impacts ABA in the field because it talks, it's a psychology approach that says to do what works. And then for ABA, we're going to do what works regardless of our personal biases, right? And then our next part in the task list is A4. I'm going to read it to you. A4 is to distinguish among behaviorism, the experimental analysis of behavior, applied behavior analysis, and the professional practice guided by the science of behavior analysis. So we're going to talk about behaviorism, EAB, experimental analysis of behavior, ABA, and practices guided by it kind of help you distinguish between those ones. I'm going to give you the definition of behaviorism. It's the theory that human and animal behavior can be explained in terms of conditioning without appeal to thought or feelings and with some mental conditions are being treated by altering behavior patterns. Behaviorism, what you know about this one is thought and feelings are not considered very classical conditioning. It's very much A equals B, SR conditioning. I'll call back to Watson. Yeah, you got it. And then up next, we have EAB, experimental analysis behavior. So this is Skinner. He set the foundation for this, and this is what we're continuing to do today. So if you've got your PhD and you were doing research on behavior, you're going to be engaging in analysis behavior. So this is the research field part of it all. This is where we get all of our studies. All that up is this field. I'm going to read you the definition of it, just so you have it comparing with other definitions. But it's the experimental behavior analysis is based upon radical behaviorism that calls for inductive, data-driven approaches to establishing functional relations, with our research guys, between antecedents and behaviors. The empirical observations gained in experimental behavior analysis allows practitioners to predict and control behaviors through optimization techniques. What it's saying is that experimental analysis behavior gives us the research for the application ABA to kind of operate, gives us the data and the evidence to practice. So EAB is that science, research in the lab, and then 
applied behavior analysis, ABA, is going to be the applied in the clinic, in the field, taking that data and implementing it and putting it to use. So ABA, the definition of this one is the science which tactics derived from the principles of behavior are applied to improve socially significant behavior and experimentation is used to identify the variable responsible for the improvement in behavior. So we're not doing new research, finding big, well-developed research studies. We're just working with our individuals and the populations that we work with. Most commonly it's autism right now, but there are many other fields that we'll talk about in a second that you can do. ABA again. So we've got our research, ABA applies it, and we use, you know, we, we do like manipulate variables and things in our field, but it's with our population and it is to improve their behavior, not just the general body of research. And then lastly, you need to know about the professional practices guided by ABA. So this has a whole list in Cooper. There's a whole list you can look at and have it up online. But you can do just about anything with ABA, ABA. So you can do just about anything because there's behavior in anything. So some examples are you could give sleep coach, you could work with you know drug and alcohol abuse, you can work in psychology. There's you know a place for ABA and psychology to mix that's slowly developing, very reluctantly developing, I feel. And then there's also OBM. So if you want to go work in management and help companies, you know, manipulate variables in order to get better outcomes in their workplace, there's a field for that as well. There's lots of practices guided by ABA that you can get into. Definitely check that out if you're interested. And I know like, there's a lot of people that don't want to work with kids or don't want to work directly in clinic and clients and things like that. It's out there. You just got to find it. Okay, so that is our podcast. So that is all the information I have for you guys. We are going to do a little quiz to finish about this information. This podcast is a little different, a little bit more of a storytelling because we got to learn about history and we just have a lot of terms that we've got to kind of get our foundation ready to move into our next chapter of all of the Skinner's work, all of Watson's work, you know, go through with mine and figure out how they did all that. So we just got to get our foundation going. They're going to be important for the exam. Make sure you know these terms. They're gonna be coming back. They're gonna be coming on the exam. So let's go ahead and do the QA. Okay, so my first question for you which scientist between Skinner and Watson is the term illicit associated with? If illicit is gonna be with Watson, and then we have the other one, which is evoke. And an easy way to help you remember that is evoke is an O, whereas illicit doesn't have an O in it. And O is for operant, operant is for Skinner. That might help you a little brain mapping there. Our next one is who founded the field of experimental analysis of behavior? That would be right, King Skinner. What is adaption? Yeah, so adaption is going to be those changes over a long period of time, days, weeks, months, you adapt to a new city, you're, you know, you're a puppy, you just got put in a new family, and you're adapting. Perfect. What are the three key things that you need to know about radical behaviorism? So 
So we got radical behaviorism is founded on the ideas that private events are behavior. The only thing separating private events from you know, the things that we can see is what we can see. And private events are impacted by the environment just the same as those observable behaviors. Cool. Tell me about what makes experimental analysis behavior different from ABA. Yep, you got it. So experimental analysis behavior is different because experimental analysis in the lab focuses on creating big bodies of research in order to promote ideas. Whereas ABA is more of the applied one-on-one -on -one with your specific population and improving their lives. Well, you got it. What is ontogeny? Yeah, autogeny is those little things they're learning in that lifetime. So tying your shoe, learning a clap, those things that you were learning. You know, so. All right, so that is our podcast. I hope you enjoyed the review of A3 and A4. Up next, we got B7 Dimensions of ABA. Woo! It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. And we're going to learn so much. But in the meantime, just know that I'm so proud of you for how hard you're studying. Look at you, you're working it, you're getting it. And I am so impressed. I hope you have a great week. Can we talk that soon? Bye. I just want to pop in here and say, imagine dedicating your entire life to research and learning everything, all the work that you're going to develop in the research paper, all that work, and just being called et al. So you've got like, you know, Skinner, comma, et al. Or imagine you're spreading an entire like book and just being on the bottom list of the authors. So if we all call Cooper Cooper, imagine being so imagine being Herman or Keyword. <laughs>